This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life comes with a lot of decisions, and sometimes it's hard to know which path is right. Therapy gives you a place to map out your options so you can trust your choices and get excited about the future. Visit betterhelp.com super to give it a try. Did you know the circumstances for Harry's death are outlined in the very first book? Hey, brother. Let's talk centaurs, because in Harry Potter, this is a very interesting race, because while they certainly have human-level intelligence, they are not very concerned with human things or really with anything at all happening in the world or well i don't know maybe, maybe that's a little unfair they're indeed very concerned about what is happening in the world and it take extreme pride in knowing about it beforehand but they also have no intention of doing anything with that information which then sort of begs the question like what's even the point of knowing they oddly remind me a lot of the character Uatu the Watcher in Marvel, like he's totally content with knowing everything that happens, but with no plans of getting involved, even when it's like, really bad? Well, actually he does in Fantastic Four number 48, which is like a weirdly expensive comic, but that's kind of like Forenzi anyway, so it still fits. And now I'm just picturing Uatu as a centaur, so. That's where we are. Let's get back on track. The point is, the centaurs absolutely know stuff. Like, for example, in Philosopher's Stone, Ferenzi asks Harry, Do you know what is hidden in the school at this very moment, Mr. Potter? And what he's alluding to there is the Philosopher's Stone, but like, how on earth would he know about it? The stone is usually kept with Nicholas Flamel, but then it had started being kept at Gringotts and then was secretly moved to Hogwarts. The students, or even just the general wizarding population, isn't supposed to know where it is. It took Harry, Ron, and Hermione nearly a year to get to the bottom of it, and Harry was physically present for its movement, and yet somehow a bunch of creatures in the forest know about it? And actually earlier I said, how on earth do they know? But the answer is, of course, not on Earth, but rather in the skies. Heck yeah, astronomy for the win! Because the answer to how they know about the stone is that they can tell the comings and goings of the world by reading the movements of the planets. Which kind of stands to reason. I mean, out here in the real world, astronomy, like mathematics or physics, is an exact science. It's not math I can do, but. And the wizarding world seems to be at least kind of similar. Like it's not always 100% or at least not interpreted with 100% accuracy, but undeniably the answers are up there. But on that very note, the more you look into it, some of the stuff the centaurs predict is crazy. So today we're going to look into astronomy, centaurs, and one of the coolest things and most important things they predict in all of Harry Potter. Okay, so you know what never really makes sense to me when reading these books? Astronomy class. Astronomy is a required subject for your first five years at Hogwarts, and at least in Harry's first year, it's taught at midnight on Wednesdays. Which, if you ask me, is hilarious when you consider that at one point, Harry is given detention for being caught out of bed at 1 a.m. in the astronomy tower. Seriously though, if you have to take the class for the first five years and you always teach it at midnight, then wouldn't each day of the week involve an entire year's worth of kids being up there? I mean, I guess you could like space it out from 10 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to one, like to create more class times, but you'd still have students out of bed every night, way past when everyone else is supposed to be in bed. I mean, I guess to be fair, Harry and Hermione bring Norbert up there on a Saturday, but to that end, why on earth is McGonagall out patrolling the school at midnight on a Saturday! Whatever, doesn't matter. The entire Norbert chapter is completely bonkers and really not the point. Isn't he beautiful? 
Oh, bless him. Look, he knows his mummy. <laughs> The point is that this required subject seems to bear no magical usefulness at all for its students. Like based on all the homework they get, it's mostly just memorizing and labeling various constellations, planets, and moons. In fact, at one point, Harry is examining a product in Diagon Alley that could quite literally replace his entire need to ever attend this class ever again, ever. He was sorely tempted too by the perfect moving model of the galaxy in a large glass ball, which would have meant he never had to take another astronomy lesson again. In fact, the only known magical use seen in any of the Harry Potter properties is in the app Hogwarts Mystery, where students use their wand on an orrery to predict when the next eclipse will be. Which like, I guess is great and technically uses magic, but like muggles can figure that out pretty easily without magic, so. Speaking of muggles though, astronomy and space in general seem to be one of the most shared interests amongst wizards and muggles, or at least one of the only common fields of study. And oddly, while you might think the technology and telescopes of muggles would give them the edge, wizards seem to have quite an advantage here. For one, they have access to orries, a word I said earlier in the video, like it was a totally normal thing that everyone knows about. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry, I got you guys covered. I knew you didn't know, or maybe you did, in which case, bravo. But it's basically just a small working model of the solar system, but like wizards can just look up close at the whole galaxy with enough accuracy to know that Jupiter's moon Europa is covered in mice. Sorry, I have to get this stupid trick keyboard. It's been making mistakes all May. But it's maybe not that surprising though, because when Harry and friends visit the Department of Mysteries, one of the doors they go through is the space room where Ron sees Uranus up close. I know, I know, you come for the Harry Potter, you stay for the highbrow humor. But the fact that the space room exists in the Department of Mysteries suggests there are many mysteries that wizards don't know about space. Which is wild considering how close they can get to everything and how much access they have to the planets themselves. So really, what mysteries are they after? And if you ask me, the answer is the future. Which yes, I know there's also the Hall of Prophecy, but within the story, there is a certain difference between the future foretold in the stars and the future foretold in the prophecies. One seems more scientific, if you will, and the other seems a little more like, you know, like riddle ridden and wibbly wobbly. Neither can live while the other survives. What, what, does, that, what does that mean? What do you mean? <laughs> What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Even Dumbledore, for example, doesn't want to teach divination because he thinks it's kind of a silly subject. I had gone there to see an applicant for the post of divination teacher, though it was against my inclination to allow the subject of divination to continue at all. Right, so Dumbledore is anti-divination, but keeps the otherwise magically useless astronomy class on board as a mandatory class and holds that class at a time where if students are caught out of bed, they will be given detention in the Forbidden Forest after hours, which you're not allowed to be in bed for. You want to talk about wibbly wobbly, I mean, <laughs> the rules at this castle sometimes. Okay, y'all, now we have to take a quick moment to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Factor. We all know the holidays are jam-packed with more tasks than our typical day-to-day -day lives usually include, whether it's shopping, wrapping, office parties, or a movie marathon of all of your favorites. Our schedules are full, and the last thing you want to be worried about is your daily or weekly meal prep. And good news, that is where Factor can help. So this holiday, skip the meal planning, the grocery shopping, the chopping, prepping, cleaning up. Just get Factor's fresh, never frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. 
My family loves a good factor meal, whether it's my wife, Beth, who is currently half marathon training and needs a nutritionally balanced meal at the end of the day, or me, who just simply enjoys factors, cheesy bacon ranch shredded chicken. I mean, who doesn't? Like seriously though, it's so good. I think my favorite parts are the cheese and the bacon and the ranch and the chicken. Seriously, healthy meals never frozen, ready in two minutes. Check it out for yourself by heading over to factormeals.com super50 and use code super50 to get 50% off. One more time, that's code super50 at factormeals.com super50 to get 50% off. Link is in the description down below. Astronomy versus prophecy though is also kind of the difference between how Ferenzi teaches divination and how Trelawney teaches it. Everything Trelawney teaches involves a lot of guesswork and interpretation, while Ferenzi's brand of fortune-telling informs him that the very secret Philosopher's Stone is now at Hogwarts and being sought by the once-powerful dark wizard Voldemort, who happens to be in the forest right now. Like, that is dead on. And this is why I think they teach astronomy, because to those who can read it, the future literally is in the stars. And sure enough, Trelawney does try and teach her classes how to predict the future by reading stars, which is the only actual magical application we see them use their space knowledge for? As ever though, most of what she teaches appears fairly fraudulent, even though fun fact, Trelawney herself's predictions are always right. Full video by clicking the card. I think Forenz actually has a good quote about like, <laughs> making fun of how she does it. It's in the chapter, The Centaur and the Sneak. Professor Trelawney did astrology with us, said Parvati, excitedly raising her hand in front of her so that it stuck up in the air as she lay on her back. Mars causes accidents and burns and things like that. And when it makes a right angle to Saturn like now, she drew a right angle in the air above her. That means that people need to be extra careful handling hot things. That, said Forenzi calmly, is human nonsense. Parvati's hand fell limply to her side. Trivial hurts and tiny human accidents, these are of no more significance than the scurryings of ants to the wide universe and are unaffected by planetary movements. And yet other fun fact, when Harry and Ron are making up their star chart divination based predictions, they accidentally predict the three tasks of the Triwizard Tournament. Like everything I'm about to read is one scene. Okay, on Monday, I will be in danger of uh, burns. That's the horn tail, obviously. Tuesday, I'll uh, lose a treasured possession. That's alluding to losing Ron to the mer people in the lake. Good one, said Ron, copying it down. Because of, uh, Mercury. Why don't you get stabbed in the back by someone you thought was a friend? And that is Moody setting up the port key, which transports Harry to the graveyard in the third task. And like, I don't know if any of their reasoning is correct, and obviously their timing is way off, but I just think it's fun that they get all of them right from a certain point of view. My point is though, that the only magical use we ever see wizards put space to is predicting the future. The issue is that they're not very good at it and they don't understand how to read them. But they're certainly willing to admit it can be done, hence the amount of study. Think of it like rocket science, like does it exist? Yes, but do most of us understand it? Absolutely not and uh, coincidentally, also has to do with space. That said, I think there is at least one wizard who has the hang of it, and unsurprisingly, it's Dumbledore. And we're introduced to this right away. If you recall, back in chapter one, book one, he pulls out an odd pocket watch. It was a very odd watch. It had 12 hands, but no numbers. Instead, little planets were moving around the edge. It must have made sense to Dumbledore, though, because he put it back in his pocket and said, Hagrid's late. 
I suppose it was he who told you I'd be here, by the way. Oh, planets, you say? Well, that's interesting because, I mean, it really makes no sense to have an overly complicated watch to tell you the time of day. Like, that's super easy. Although, to, to be fair, that is also based on planetary movements. But my guess is that this particular timepiece doesn't tell you about the current time, but about a time that hasn't happened yet, which apparently Hagrid is late for. But honestly, Dumbledore having a source of information like this, even if we aren't told about it, would make me feel a lot better about how he knows so many different things going on in the castle. Like when he tells Snape to keep an eye on Quirrell. Like, how on earth does he know? But again, it's not on earth, it's in space. And that is actually one bit of information we know is in the stars because it's a bit of information the centaurs also know. And look at that, we've come full circle. Or should I say, full orbit. <laughs> but before we press on, you might wonder why if Dumbledore can just read the sky like this, why he doesn't know everything all the time. And my answer would be that while it might be informative, it's not as precise. And I think he would prefer more literally down to earth in information. Because even Ferenzi admits the timing can be off. Bars, bringer of battle shines brightly above us, suggesting that the fight must break out again soon. How soon? Centaurs may attempt to define by the burning of certain herbs and leaves, by the observation of fume and flame. You guys like my Ferenzi? His priority did not seem to be to teach them what he knew, but rather to impress upon them that nothing, not even Centaur's knowledge, was foolproof. Which brings me to one of the craziest bits of foreshadowing in the entire story. The Centaurs predicting Harry's death in book one. I'm sure you remember Harry encountering Voldemort in the forest and Ferenzi saving him, but afterwards they have this whole altercation with another centaur, Bane, who is very upset that Ferenzi stepped in. What have you been telling him? Remember, Ferenzi, we are sworn not to set ourselves against the heavens. Have we not read what is to come in the movements of the planets? Harry interprets this as Bane thinking Ferenzi should have let Voldemort kill him. Ferenzi saved me, but he shouldn't have done so. Bane was furious. He was talking about interfering with what the planets say is going to happen. They must show that Voldemort's coming back. Bane thinks Ferenzi should have let Voldemort kill me. I suppose that's written in the stars as well. But here's the thing. Bane is totally right. Voldemort does need to kill Harry. He's just off by six years, but you can see why he's so confused. Because that night in the forest in year one, all the key players are in the right place for the inevitable. They know Harry will meet his demise at the hands of Voldemort in the forest. They may even know that Hagrid specifically is supposed to be there, and that this particular occasion must happen in order for the war to end. Always the innocent are the first victims, so it has been for ages past. So it is now. Even the reason they're in the forest in the first place is relevant. Like, the centaurs have interpreted the unicorns, which Harry and friends are out looking for, as the first innocent victims, which makes plenty of sense, considering there's not anything much purer than a unicorn. And yet again, they're off by just a little. The first actual innocent victims are Bertha Jorkins, Frank Bryce, Barty Crouch Sr., and Cedric Diggory. Kill the Avada Kedavra! No! Fast forward to book seven and what they predict finally plays out. Harry enters the forest and meets Voldemort who does need to kill Harry for the war to end. And you can tell the centaurs have been waiting for this because to that point, they have not joined the battle. But when they watch Voldemort's army carry Harry past them, they know their prediction has come true and the time to act has finally come. 
and so they do. Here's Hagrid immediately after Harry's death. Bane! Happy now, are you, that you didn't fight, you cowardly bunch of nags? Are you happy Harry Potter's dead? But then, as soon as Neville pulls the sword, the slash of the silver blade cannot be heard over the roar of the oncoming crowd, or the sounds of the clashing giants, or the stampeding centaurs, and yet it seemed to draw every eye. You see what I mean? The centaurs aren't inactive because they don't care. They're just waiting for the right time, which they know is coming. But there you go, guys. That is the centaur's craziest prediction and the whole point of astronomy in Harry Potter. But guys, thanks so much for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter content from us. If you want even more Harry Potter content, Ben and I have just launched a brand new podcast called Through the Gryffindor. It is a Harry Potter book club. Each week we are reading another chapter and then going through it page by page, discussing all the new little things that we find. It has been so much fun. If you want to check it out, you can uh, click right over here. But otherwise, until next time, Ben, I will see you in the left, brother.